code of silence that we don't dare speak. There's a wall between us and a river so deep. We keep pretending that there's nothing wrong. There's a code of silence and it can't go on. Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on October the 20th, 2009. For newcomers, I suggest you look into cuttingthroughthematrix.com website and you'll find hundreds of talks I've given in the past, all there for download for free, the audio downloads, and you can peruse them at your heart's content. You can also bookmark the other sites I have up there, the alternate sites, and it's good to use them once in a while anyway if you find that the download from the com is kind of hanging up on you because there's so many folk going to the com at the same time right after the show. So you can bookmark the other ones. There's cuttingthrough.jenkness.com. That's J-E-N-K-N-E-S-S.com. Cuttingthroughthematrix.net.us.ca. There's Alan Watt, cuttingthroughthematrix.ca. And it's Alan Watt, sentinel.eu. The last one has all the audios for download, but it also has transcripts of a lot of the audios uh, written for prints up, uh, for downloads and prints up, written in the various languages of Europe. And I always start off the show rather than hit you halfway through or three quarters of the way through and bury it uh, and tell you that you are the listeners who bring me to you because no one backs me up here. I'm not fronting for an organization that sells anything. I'm not backed by an NGO or a foundation. I'm out here simply telling what I know uh, because it's essential that at least some people have the knowledge of, the extended knowledge of what's been going on for, for an awful long time in history and where it's culminating to and where it's supposed to be all going to in the, in the very near future. We're going through the, the critical phase right now. Everything's been turned upside down, even the perceptions of the, the types of societies they live in has been turned upside down in a few years. They don't even know that it's happened. So you have to support me by buying the things I have for sale on the website, cuttingthroughmatrix.com, uh, or you can donate to me as well. How to do it, you'll find on the website. You'll find a PayPal button. PayPal's good all across the world. And U.S. checks are good in Canada, personal checks. And you can also use MoneyGram outside the Americas or Western Union or cash or PayPal. It's up to yourselves how you do it. But I, I need money to keep going here. It's expensive. And the stuff that I use for the equipment, so it's never worked since I got it properly. But things burn out so fast. I'm sure you're all aware yourselves. And this is not a job. It's, uh, it's not a career, believe you me. It's a full-time uh, uh, unwanted vocation because believe I didn't even know people would want to hear what I had to say when I first came I kept quiet for years and years and years because people were living in, in different conditioned perceptions of the times in which they lived even time I was living through that it was very hard to communicate to most people whose indoctrination is perfect and most people truly have had the same perfect indoctrination only a few escape the ones who escape generally hit the bottle 
or, or drugs because they can't fathom why they can't fit into this fake system. And the ones who come out of that unscathed can go on to other things and be leaders, hopefully, because we need leaders from each generation to go on with the knowledge of what's going on. For those of you that this burned and passed to them to play on CD players, write to me at Alan Watt, W-A-T-T, Site 41, Box 4, Estaire, which is E-S-T-A-I-R-E, Ontario, Canada. Postal code is P, as in Peter, 3, E as in Elizabeth, 4, N as in Nora, 1, P3E4N1. And I'll back with the topics on tonight's show right after this break. through the matrix and as I said at the beginning there that people's whole culture and their system has been turned 180 degrees within their own lifetime and most of them don't even know they don't even know what's happened because they adapt we're the most adaptable species on the planet and those who rule us and rule the world really and try to declare it openly shortly once they're finished their their series of ongoing wars till the culmination of it all, uh, they've been studying humanity for an awful, awful long time. And the art of governing is is not new at all. Uh, Even the kings and queens and advisors had had incredible indoctrination in how to manage whole populations of people by different means, uh, right down to the primitive one of fear, fear of death and uh, hanging and being hung, drawn and quartered, stuff like that, started to terrify the public. And then we went through the so-called democratic phase uh, that um, introduced new techniques of making people obey the system. And I've talked before about the book Obedience to Authority, where it's well worth reading, very, very interesting book, and how the public reacts. The law itself really depends on the fact that most people, most people will always obey. Most people will always obey. Any law that is thrown down to them will obey uh, some grudgingly, but they'll all go along with it. It's only a minority, really, who know the con. There's always a con involved in some uh, draconian law. And only a few really see it for what it is. And the, the way they get to them is by... Uh, coercion. Law is based on coercion. They, they threaten you, and most folk will take the threat and obey. That's enough for them. And it's always followed by force. You see, that's traditional all down through rulership to the present time. And the Soviet technique uh, was run on the same principles, but also uh, it used Pavlovian techniques in the schools to recreate man being a simple animal. Uh, you could bring them up, especially at a very young age, grab them young, and then you could indoctrinate them into the new system and give them a completely formulated reality where every question that a thinking adult would go through, every part of the process, was answered in a one-sided fashion in the indoctrination process to the children. So they would never, never have to question anything. And they believed that as a gospel truth. Uh, 
And it was interesting, too, to, to, if you ever watched any of the old uh, Soviet-era movies that were made for... They were all propaganda, but then so were all the movies back home as well. Propagandistic, and in the West, they were used to undermine the culture through entertainment. But in the Soviet Union, they were very direct. They showed you silly, silly movies uh, for the public, uh, like um, one where a woman and, a, and one man in a factory end up uh, keeping the factory going because they were supplying munitions for a war or something. And uh, all the rest of the staff were down with, I don't know what it was, maybe bad food. And they had strings attached to all the different levers on the machines, and the two of them were doing this heroic thing of keeping the factory going. Uh, ridiculous, childish stuff. like that. But that's what they, they pumped into them. And then, of course, towards the end of the Soviet uh, term, the open Soviet term, as it, before they expanded worldwide into the global system, they were in now. It's the new Soviet we're under now. Uh, they started to use more BBC-type uh, dramas to alter opinions and behavior in people. Uh, and really, uh, today we've got a combination of the two. We get simplicity, and we also get the, the dramas that will have a human angle to, to get you into the story while they download you with opinion-changing ideas through emotion, you see. That's, uh, these are all scientific techniques that are used uh, very, very well. And to give you an example of uh, how, how the childish ones are coming out, the child going straight for the children uh, and using the Soviet type of argument, this article here was from the Times, October the 9th, 2009. And it says, Ministers target climate change doubters and prime time TV are. That means politicians. When they say ministers, interesting term they use in Britain, isn't it? Minister for a politician. Uh, ministers, politicians target climate change doubters in prime time TV ads. So advertisements are not meant to ever give you truth. If, if you, I think we've all found that out. Buy this and it'll make you eternally happy. Uh, and you'll have orgasms when you brush your teeth with this toothbrush or this toothpaste. Uh, and you see all these smiling faces jumping for joy and, and, and all silliness like that. They sell you nonsense, you see, uh, and happiness. So the idea is coupled with spending and buying this thing is when they bring you happiness. That was the Bernays technique. But this one here shows you the government, the government itself, the government is supposed to be democratic, that you think, which is nonsense, never was, but you think is there to, to give you uh, open-sided arguments. And I will show you all the data. No, they don't bother anymore. They just give you incredible, straightforward propaganda. This is agenda. This is what we want you to believe. And when they use these childish stories to make you believe it, and eventually it will be a sin not to believe it. And I mean that too. It will be a sin. Remember the head of the EU, the European Parliament, a couple of years ago said, he said that um, anyone who criticized the economic union, the new parliament and the parliamentary system was a heretic. These are the ter this is the word he used, a heretic, the heretics. And out there I'm sure people say, oh, that will never happen, they'll never say it's a sin. Well, it's the same thing. It's the same darn thing, you know. Watch the good duck, watch the good duck, it's the same stuff, same system. Ministers target climate change doubters and they use their tax money to brainwash them. This article here says, uh, climate change sceptics are to be targeted in a hard-hitting government advertising campaign 
that would be the first, the first, right, to state unequivocally that man is causing global warming and endangering life on Earth. There's your one-sided argument. Six million pounds, that's to kick it off, right? And that's, that's to pay for the initial project. That'll not, they're paying, uh, God knows how many, thousands to millions each time they show the ad across the country. The six million pound campaign taxpayers' money will be, begin tonight in the prime ITV slot during Coronation Street. During Coronation Street, where all the stupid ones watch, you know, they've been brainwashed with that show since its inception, and they have psychiatrists and Marish Geisen counsellors on there, and all ethnic counsellors for integration, run, on the staff, full-time staff, and psychologists to run the show. And the people are always given preludes of what's to come next in Britain, and then they see it argued out on, on screen, and then when it happens in real life, uh, they take the, the side that was left to them, the, the opinion that was left to them. It's just astonishing uh, predictive programming. Anyway, during Coronation Street, there's a great response to government research, government research, showing that more than half the population think that climate change will have no effect on them. Politicians sanctioned the campaign because of concern that scepticism about climate change was making it harder. Here's the key. It's making it harder to introduce carbon-reducing policies such as higher energy bills. <laughs> so they're going to shame you, shame you into not believing it so that you'll accept that you have to pay higher energy bills for less energy, you see, meaning massive profits for the companies, uh, which is always behind the greening scams that you hear of massive profits. The divestment attempts to make adults feel guilty. Now, is that but governments are there to make you... Isn't that the sort of stuff that parents and children, you know, that there's this sort of thing about themselves, that this little technique of guilt? Isn't that what that's about, Johnny? And if, don't you feel guilty about doing that to, to, to little buddy next to you there? You know? And, and this, is, this is how we're treated. We are children, and that's exactly how they treated them in the Soviet Union. You need to read the literature put out by the big boys like Gorbachev when he was ahead there. They're like storybooks for children. Talking down by a paternalistic figure to a very uh, little child. Anyway, it says here it features a father telling his daughter a bedtime story of a very, very strange world with horrible consequences for today's children. The storybook shows a British town deep underwater with people and animals drowning. Carbon dioxide is depicted as rising in clouds of black soot from cars and homes, including from a woman's hair dryer. I wonder what color her hair is. The soot gathers into a jagged tooth monster menacing the town. A jagged tooth monster. The daughter asks her father if the story has a happy ending, and a voiceover cuts in saying, It's up to us how the story ends. And directs viewers to the government's act, this, this government law act, on CO2 website, act on CO2 website. The Department of Energy and Climate Change, we should have a Department of, of Weather Forecasting, but now it's, it's Department of Energy and Climate Change, publishes research today showing that 52% of people think climate change will not significantly affect them. Only 33% think it will, and 15% do not know. 14% of people think that climate change will have no effect on Britain, even in their grandchildren's lifetime. 26% says they could think of no action they could take that would help reduce climate change. Remember, polls are put out to influence opinion. When asked how they would react if the new climate change was going to have a serious effect on their children's lives, 74% 
said that they would be willing to change their lifestyle. Remember these study groups they have for these uh, polls and all that, and for advertising, was dreamed up by Bernays. They're still using it, yeah. 15% said that they would not make any changes. Oh, yeah, your wallet's going to empty out. You would make changes all right. Your wallet's going to be emptied out for you. The Met Office has predicted that 2003 heat wave, the 2003 heat wave, we used to get heat waves every four or five years in Britain, but now it's just a catastrophe, you know, which resulted in 2,000 premature deaths in Britain, which is just a figure they plucked out there, could happen every other year from, from the... 2040s onwards, I guess. 2040. Boy, these guys are really getting good at predicting the weather. Before, they could never tell you if it's going to rain or be sunny. They're always wrong. Back with more after this break. through the matrix reading an article from Times Online about the propaganda tax funded propaganda aimed at people uh, so that they'll give up all the rights and I mean all the rights and be directed and governed right down to a micromanagement level by government agencies and that's what all this is about the build up, the lead up to the Copenhagen Agreement where all the leaders of the government are going to sign you into perpetual bondage even worse than we are already and to do away with, with uh, any constitution of any country is going to supersede everything, believe me, everything. Right down to say, micromanaging you in your home. And you'll pay, and you'll pay, and you'll pay for this bogus nonsense. But anyway, at the end of the article, it says here, uh, Philip Stott, S-T-O-T-T, Emeritus Professor of Biogeography at the University of London and a critic of the government's plan to cut CO2, said the advert was an attempt to manipulate people with alarmist language and apocalyptic imagery. It's straight out of Orwell's 84 in an attempt to control with images of a, per- a perpetual war. And that's what it is. We've got to get perpetual wars in our heads, you see, against something, in this case, climate change. Now, they've got a perpetual war against terrorism. That's going to go on forever until they appoint a king of the world. You see? And even it'll continue. There's always terrorists within. And they've expanded terrorism to include all sorts of things. And in this case, too, having, having a, a contrary thought about climate change, that would be a terrorist act. I'm not kidding you. If you voice your opinion, that's what I mean. It, we really are going into this. Really, really are. And it ties right in with... Uh, so that was the preparatory uh, build-up to it in the last story. The Mail Online uh, has the same thing here. Uh, 20th October today. A bedtime story about drowning kittens and puppies. This is what's in the ads they're putting out in Britain, tax-funded. This is the Labour government's £6 million campaign to highlight the dangers of climate change. It begins with the heartwarming family scene of a father reading a story to his daughter. Uh, the, the probably the children's age watching him to make sure he's not molesting his daughter too. But anyway, but the bedtime tale turns out to be a terrifying account of drowning puppies, rabbits dying of thirst, and the end of the world as we know it. This is the government's controversial television commercial about the dangers of global warming, which has led to more than 200 complaints being lodged with the Advertising Standards Authority. <laughs> like they have any standards in advertising? <laughs> have you seen the ones recently they have out there? 
so they show you that. They even show you a picture. There's a daddy there looking over the daughter, uh, and he's reading a book to her. I don't know. He's got that arm round her, round her, round her, or part of her body. It could be very suspicious. I'm sure the, I mean, I'm sure the, the proper agencies are watching that. The ad being broadcast at prime time as part of a six billion, six million pounds campaign. Now it's going to cost more than that each time they air it. That's just to set it up. She was a far telling his daughter the story about climate change, destroying the world. Cartoon images appear on a screen. A puppy drowns in floods. A kitten floats by on an upturned table, and a rabbit weeps as drought sweeps the earth. I've had nothing but rain for two years solid. They should all come over here. I'll sell the land to them cheap. The father tells his daughter that scientists say the strange weather, strange weather, ooh, is being caused by too much CO2, which went up into the sky when the grown-ups use too much energy. Oh, nasty grown-ups. That ties right in with what they already teach them, teaching them from kindergarten onwards. I've mentioned that uh, link before, I had it up on my site, where you hear Al, Al Gore, Al Gore talking to 12 and under, uh, and 12, 12 years old and under, and saying, you know things your parents don't know. Because they've all had their indoctrination with global warming. In other words, the parents know nothing. <laughs> and believing that the parents and adults were having such a good time. You know. So there you go. It's uh, the adult, the grown-ups use too much energy. Do you know how much energy the military uses in every country? Incredible, eh? Uh, but, but then what's the fact got to do with anything here? He tells her that if grown-ups had turned things off, such as light bulbs, maybe they could save the land for the little children. The child looks up at her father and asks, is there a happy ending? A female voiceover then says, it's up to us how it ends. See what you can do. The Department of Energy and Climate Change. you got a Department of Climate Change. Can you believe this rubbish? A department, a government department of climate change to direct this, this Soviet policy here, this global Soviet policy. It says it launched the commercial as part of its act on CO2 campaign, but critics say the 70-second ad is misleading because it presents as fact disputed scientific evidence that humans have caused climate change. And I think I have a link to this too. I'll put it up at the end of the show on the website, cuttingthroughmatrix.com, and you can see the ad for yourselves. It says here, a Downing Street petition that calls on the government to stop wasting taxpayers' money, good luck, on climate change propaganda designed to frighten our children has attracted more than 100 signatures. Tory MP Philip Davis called the film ludicrously appalling. It was true. See, Britain should really get the Hollywood crowd in because they do things better. See, my Canadian ads. Canadian ads are awful. You can't tell the ads apart from the, the propaganda dramas they give us with all the PC stuff in it. It's pathetic. You get the experts in from Hollywood. They've done a great job at destroying the Western culture for years. It says here, the ad shows how threadbare the government's argument is when it has to resort to scaring children about climate change. No, they know what they're doing because they want to raise a, a generation who are totally indoctrinated. That's what they, they're doing. That's what they want. Ah, they know what they're doing. If the government really wanted to stop puppies drowning, it would stop building thousands of new houses on floodplains. And that's what you see all the time. I've said it for years. Same in the U.S. It's not climate change that actually giving permits to build on floodplains near rivers that flood every two, three, four, fifth year. Back with more after this break. You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network. 
because you can handle the truth. through the matrix, going through the nonsense about the, the build-up to the terrifying technique of the public to, to scare them into accepting something they don't even understand, even to do with all these international treaties that are signed, especially this upcoming one in December at the, the Copenhagen Treaty, where every leader in the Western world and in other parts of the world, too, will be signing away complete authority, complete authority and sovereignty in all affairs, financial, social policies, everything over to this this body, uh, which is going to override every other treaty that's ever been made, basically, to run the world in a totalitarian fashion. Because you see, in the Soviet system, you're always you're always fighting an enemy. You've got to have an enemy to fight. Remember, the first global revolution is the book um, put out by the founders of the Club of Rome, the big think tank that came up with ideas to control the planet and the, and the world and everybody in it. That was their job. And they said in their own book, that first global revolution, they said that they looked for ways to unite the humanity with a common cause, a common purpose, you see. And they said that, um, that uh, you know, they even said climate changes and scarcities and famines and uh, calamities of that, that ilk. But they definitely stressed the... Uh, weather, weather changes, climate changes, said that would fit the bill. So famine, um, climate change, global warming, they said, um, all that kind of stuff would fit the bill. That would do to get us all into, we're all on board to a common purpose. The whole world's working towards a common purpose because we give up all our rights to see, to try to save ourselves, like a wartime scenario. They said it had to be a wartime scenario. And that's what we're going through. This article here that I'm reading from, too, though, from the Mail Online, goes on to say this. Uh, the, the Prime Minister told representatives from 17 leading countries, once the damage from unchecked emissions growth is done, no retrospective global agreement in some future period can undo the, that choice. By then it will be irretrievably too late, so we should never allow ourselves to lose sight of, it, of the catastrophe we face if present warming trends continue. This has been recurring. You know, they haven't caught up to the cool. See, it doesn't matter what the facts are. It's an agenda, right? A spokesman for the Advertising Standards Authority confirmed it received more than 200 complaints, a high volume about the climate change commercial. No kidding. It says here, the majority of people are complaining about the implication that the science around global warming and what causes it has been universally agreed. And that it has not been. It's amazing that the IPPC at the United Nations uh, recruited only people who were on board with the idea. That probably had no idea at all until it says, you know, if you agree with this, we'll pay you for this, for holding this idea and sticking to it. That's literally how it happened, to set that board, that panel. And any scientists who disagreed, and there's thousands and thousands of them, and said it's bogus science, are not getting accepted onto the panel. Our investigators are currently looking into If we find there's a strong bit of evidence, then we will launch a formal investigation, which is giving you the brush off. Energy and climate change, climate change minister, <laughs> climate change minister. I wonder if she wears, wears a, a, a rubber uh, Macintosh and an umbrella and boots. You know? Joan Rudock uh, said the Department of Energy and Climate Change stands by the messages 
in the television ad and the creative approach. Now, see how they've combined the two. It's the Department of Energy and Climate Change because they're going to cause scarcities and everything. They have to do that in these war situations. And as I say, it's based on the Soviet model, only much bigger. It's a world system. That goes to food. Everything will be scarcity. Scarcities, that's part of controlling the great unwashed masses. It says here it's consistent with government policy on the issue, which is informed by the latest science, the latest science, and assessments of peer-reviewed uh, scientific literature made by the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change, United Nations bunch, you know, who get paid to say this stuff. <laughs> that's their paycheck. If, if they're off the board, they aren't going to get the paycheck. The minister denied the commercial was being targeted at children. No, because she's, she's under the weather, eh? <laughs> she said the ad is directed at adults. But we know that the proposition to protect the next generation is a motivating one. I mean, aren't they born liars? Eh? Born liars. Why would you expect any truth ever to come out of the face of a born liar? I've always, always been amazed by people who go and vote, you know. So that's the, that's, the, that's the stuff about that. And uh, it's going to build up into a crescendo uh, up until this treaty is signed. This is already for how horrible it's going to be once they tell us what they've signed on to. But it literally is going to bring in world rationing, personal rationing, and, and everything uh, right through your whole life. I'm not kidding you. It, it truly is. And it's ongoing. They can keep adding and adding and adding to it once it's really signed all the things that uh, you can and cannot do and fines and penalties and probably even rehabilitation techniques to when you, when you switch on too many lights, you know, stuff like that. And I'll also bring into it, I'm not kidding this as well, uh, along with the mandatory vaccinations and everything because it's also a, oh, it's a world problem. So we're all going to die of the flu. Uh, mandatory inoculations will all come into part of that. They never ask how much energy it takes to make that 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 lucky stuff that's called vaccine. Uh, that's okay. All the energy is wasted on that, as long as there's a massive profit for the pharma companies. Hypocrites and liars from the beginning. These characters, aren't they? Aren't they? Always the same. Always recognise them. It's going to change everyone's everyone's life, and the children are getting brainwashed at school because they must create one generation who truly, truly believe the propaganda, one-sided propaganda. So many articles out there to justify what we already know. Because we're in an age now, you see, where right is wrong and war is peace and up is down and freedom is slavery, you see. Uh, this article here what do you expect from a think tank that works for the government when their government's going ahead with things? This is the UK news. It's the Guardian. Again, now this affects the whole world. Whatever happens in Britain is immediately followed by the US, Canada, and every other country. Um, and that's why we're all on board. And the same technique since 2001. It was planned before 2001, the whole totalitarian agenda. And remember, the Club of Rome came up with an idea on global warming and famines and the like, as I said, and the like, <laughs> would fit the bill. That's, that's the words they used in the 1970s. Spying morally right, says a think tank. A think tank says so spying is morally right. Or if it, if it was beheadings, they'd probably say the same thing, right? And mind you, they could probably convince the public beheadings are, you know, okay. 
Guardian.co. Oh, sorry, I just skipped out on me there. But anyway, spying. I'll try and get back to it. This computer never works properly. hasn't since I got it. And it just jumps from here to there. Uh, but this, the spying part is, is, uh, is off my screen right now. Something else trying to come up. Here it's back again. Oh, my goodness. That, that's because I looked into a government website today, and it froze the whole computer. You know, that happens to you. You go into their websites, but they want to know who's going in. And while they're doing it, I'm sure they go through your whole hard drive as they're freezing it. And then this, all this weird stuff happens afterwards. Anyway, the government should be spying on Muslims, even if they are not suspected of committing crimes, in order to hunt down terrorists before they strike. So before they're even terrorists, or even thinking of being a terrorist, the government should be spying on Muslims. Now remember, you all say, well, I'm not a Muslim, I'm okay. I'm okay. Remember the old thing that says they came for the socialists, I wasn't one, they left me alone, they came for blah, blah. And, they came for all, and then they came for me, and there was no one left to stand up for me. This is the same technique. If they choose the Muslims Monday, they can choose you the next. So, so they should be spying on Muslims, even if they're not suspected of committing crimes. Ed Hussein of the Quilliam Foundation said it was the morally right thing to do, and that waiting until people had fallen prey to extremism and were drawn into terrorism was too late. The foundation received £700,000 from the British government for its counter-terrorism work as part of a strategy called PREVENT. That included £400,000 from the Office of Security and Counter-Terrorism, which finances projects trying to counter extremism on UK campuses and monitoring websites that appear to endorse, to endorse Islamic violence. All the ones that put Islamic violence were set up by the, the, the British Secret Service. Folk forgot, forget, I read an article years ago after 9-11 when nothing much was happening. There were no Al-Qaeda cells, blah, blah, across, across the, the world, as they were saying. And so one of the guys at the top of MI5 says, um, he said that um, they had sting operations set up. And I quote from the paper, uh, to, to bring in young people who start to believe the stuff and then draw them closer and closer. Sting operations. And then other members of MI5 and 6 says this is a negative thing to do because right now they don't have websites set up. This is going to create the terrorism. Sting operations, when there's no, no terrorism there, is going to create the terrorism because the whole idea was to bring young people in, brainwash them, and get them to do something silly and then catch them at it. This is, you understand how intelligence works, the whole intelligence service. But it says here, Hussein said of, of, uh, of Prevent, this organization, it's gathering intelligence on people not committing terrorist offenses. If it is to prevent people getting killed and committing terrorism, it's, a good, it's good and it's right. I wonder where he came from. Obviously, a country that didn't know what democracy was and freedom and privacy. Prevent was created to increase the security services knowledge of extremism in Britain, he said. If those thoughts and beliefs are linked to killing people in a democracy, the state is the only actor in a democracy that can prevent violence. It would be morally wrong of taxpayer-funded programs. Program. This is how it's worded here. I don't know if he's speaking English or not. It would be morally wrong of taxpayer-funded program designed to prevent terrorism if it was not designed to gather intelligence in order to stop that terrorism from happening. The alternative is to let the, the buggers, this is a word that's used, buggers, and it's in an Oxford dictionary, so I'm not swearing, do what they wish until they appear on the violence radar, which is too late. 
If in the business of counter-terrorism, you must want your intelligence services to know what is going on. The balance between liberty and security, here we go again, is an issue Britain has grappled with since London was bombed by Al-Qaeda-inspired terrorists. Inspired doesn't mean they were, right? Al-Qaeda-inspired terrorists. On the 7th of July 2005, resulting in the deaths of 52 people, 750 injured. Hussein said gathering intelligence outweighed civil liberty concerns. I'll, I'll repeat that for the harder thinking. Hussein said gathering intelligence outweighed civil liberty concerns. That's your future. He says that prying into the political and religious beliefs of people was a dangerous move towards a police state. That's the name in the game. He says it's not about doing the right thing by Islamists or by liberal do-gooders. It's about creating a society where liberal do-gooders survive freely. Well, yeah, right. Uh, it says the government has made repeated attempts to get people who are not police or intelligence officers to inform on those they feel are suspicious. Did you ever... Read what happened in Salem with a witch hunt. And how jealous neighbors who wanted land and so on were accused their neighbors of, 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 of the crimes that were the crimes of the day in league with the devil to get their land. And how many folk were killed because of this? It's the same technique. Same technique. Get everybody turn on everybody else. Get everybody spying for the government. And people will be getting lifted left, right, and center as we speak right now in places like Britain on someone's assumption, some neighbor's assumption. And you are hauled in and interrogated and maybe even worse with no rights whatsoever. Is that the kind of society you're going to allow to continue? Because it's here now. It's up to you, isn't it? It's up to you. You know, the whole idea, which has never been a reality, but the idea of democracy as it was presented to the public came out of revolutions. Revolutions. And... It was an idea that was novel at the time against kings and queens, supposedly starting in Britain, but really it was, a, it was a different bunch behind it. The people always fight the battles for this different bunch. But anyway, the idea was that the government was there to serve the people. That had never been said before, even thought of before. To, to say that, you'd have been hung, drawn, and quartered by the king. And so they had these bloody revolutions. The idea being that for the first time, yep, governments would serve the wishes of the people. And you, you no sooner get it than you've got the totalitarian bunch who will use that system and so cleverly alter it, so cleverly alter it, Fabian style, incrementally, sometimes in a hurry, sometimes slow, so, much, so alter it so much that you still think you're living in it. And you're, you're living in a fairy land, a dream. When the government literally gets you right back to square one. And it's not just one king now you have to pay for. It's, it's thousands and thousands and thousands of these people and all the bureaucrats 
everybody involved in this big terrorism industry and their families and their high, high, stinking high salaries. And they've turned you right round again into the old kingship idea without the king. They call it your government. And they take away all your rights just as you did when you were under the king. And how you all had to buckle under and fight and work towards a common cause for the good of all as they rob you blind and put you back into the poorhouse. And people still will think they're in a democracy of some kind. Still think that. And say it. They don't know. They don't know, know that all throughout the Cold War and long before the Cold War, every nation in the world was totally infiltrated. With a movement that had a front to it and had a nice sounding thing. Starting with socialism. Sounded wonderful if you're one of the ordinary people. Thinking you're going to get something and be taken care of somehow by a governmental system. But that its goal was where we are at now, where the experts, the elite, those who have the right to rule, will rule you minutely, minutely, right down to everything that you do or think, and they'll monitor you and watch you. That was always the goal of it. And they turned, in Bernays style, the whole of society upside down, upside completely down. And people lived through it and didn't even notice there was intelligence behind the massive changes that they took for granted as cultural norms hadn't a clue back with more after this break through the matrix and sometimes you have to tie things together for people who really were getting the, the, the scattergun approach to information as they overload as everyone with so many different things to grab their attention most of it trivia I have to sift through weights of stuff see what's relevant what isn't but you can connect the dots now ICANN is the big agency this so-called charitable agency that was given authority over the world's internet uh, service provider names and your, your, the number that you registered under. And it's, it's their duty transfer management of this, supposedly. And now, it was set up by DARPA uh, with the NSA, although they tried to claim that it was just a charitable foundation they created to do with it. You know, does so many folk want to deal with this kind of uh, massive work out of the goodness of their hearts? But anyway, it's been transferred to a world body shortly. And this, is, this ties in with that. You really tie the stories in as they appear, appearing separate from one another. And this is to get you ready. You see lots of stuff across the world, like this article here from the Register. It's from the 16th of October. Security boss calls for an end to net anonymity. And it starts off with a Russian one. You see, just to think, well, it's Russia. No, no, it's going to be the world. The CEO of Russia's number one anti-virus package has said that the Internet's biggest security vulnerability is anonymity, calling for mandatory Internet passports that would work much like driver licenses do in the offline world. Licenses to operate the Internet. 
which can be pooled. That's the whole thing with the license. You can get pooled and you can't. The comments by Eugene Kaspersky, Kasper, who is also the founder of Kaspersky Lab, came during an interview this week with Vivian Yeo of ZDN or ZDNet Asia. And he proposed the formation of an internet police body that would require users everywhere to be uniquely identified. Everyone should and must have an identification or internet passport. He was quoted as saying, the internet was designed not for public use but for the American scientists and the U.S. military, and that is true. It was designed for them and used by them. Then it was introduced to the public, and it was wrong to introduce it in the same way. So the military could have anonymity, but not for us. Kaspersky, whose comments are raising the eyebrows of some civil liberties advocates, went on to say, it won't be much raised by these civil liberties advocates, went on to say such a system wouldn't be voluntary, would not be voluntary. Listen to what he says. I'd like to change the design of the Internet by introducing regulation, Internet passports, Internet police, and international agreement about following Internet standards, he continued, and if some countries don't agree with or don't pay attention to the agreement, just cut them off. But he goes on to say more amazing things. After he goes on about who it could be, he says, well, you have to think about cars, you have plates on cars, but you also have driver's licenses. He goes on to say that they must bring in a cashless society as well, so as everything can be tracked that you do, and much, much more than just that. So it says here, this is, it says here, you could make the same argument about the offline world, said Matt Zimmerman, a senior staff attorney at the Electronic Frontier Foundation. You know, every purchase you make should be tracked. We should ban the use of cash. We should put cameras up everywhere because in that massive data collection, something may be collected to help someone. But we think privacy is an important enough countervailing value that we should prevent that. And now you're seeing what I've been saying for years. This is why they gave you the Internet. Not so you can play yourselves or find ooh and ahs on the internet, so as you can watch everything that you do. Little old you. Yep. Well, that's it for tonight, folks. So from a very rainy, it's perpetually rainy now in Ontario, Canada, where I live. From Hamish myself, it's good night to me, your God or your God's goal with you.